I mean, I did y'all see this news about um, Evo Van Hove's next uh, production, uh, stage production? He's doing so. He's like this like crazy like European art director who like always puts cameras on stage. He did the most recent like West Side Story revival on Broadway and stuff. Uh, uh, and Steven he's Spielberg. next on Broadway. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, his next, uh, his next. He did the the network with Brian Cranston. Um, uh, his next project is he's doing The Shining with Ben Stiller. Uh, on what? <laughs> what are you That's talking crazy. about? <laughs> he, ben Stiller's gonna is rumored to star in the stage version of The Shining, directed by avant-garde European enfant terrible uh, Ivo Van Hove. <laughs> Do they uh, have anyone else? I don't think they've announced any other cast members. No. What if I can get into this? <laughs> As who? Yeah, I can be one of the guys at the. I'll get be the guy getting head or whatever. The guy getting head or whatever. You want to do that eight times a week, Cullen? <laughs> hey, buddy. Uh, no, I guess arm twisted. <laughs> nice work if you can get it. Yeah, I'll do it a hundred times a day if you let me. Um, and he's like, "You want to have candy for every meal?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like ah! I don't think they're actually gonna have the people issue would, on stage. Sure. I think you would lose your passion for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't use this. <laughs> why not? What do you mean? Why not? How do you do the shining on stage? I mean, well, he always, almost always has like cameras on stage and like big projections and stuff. So like. I don't know. He, it's very like in your face, sort of like. Ben Stiller is also weird casting, I'd say. He's almost better yes. as a Danny Torrance than as a. Oh, and they like did Doctor Sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and also apparently it's going to be more based on the book than the movie. So. Sure. Know. Yeah, that's always a good move. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Stick to Stephen King's exact text. He's never made a mistake. <laughs> 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 yeah, fuck Stephen King, dude. I'm serious. <laughs> is that, that the position you want to take? No, no, we'll never have a Stephen King interview on on Canon. What would we even sure. interview him? For I feel like on? by the time we get popular enough to interview Stephen King, like, no disrespect, he'll be dead. Sure, <laughs> uh, he's pretty old. Yeah, he's like in his seventies. God, he? how much longer are we gonna do this? <laughs> uh, he's like in his seventies. He might live like twenty five <laughs> more years. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he what lived, I guess he lived a rough life, so I guess it, you you probably would bet on the under there. He's gonna but. get <laughs> hit in the head with a bottle at a rock bottom remainder show. <laughs> rock bottom remainders, I love it. I love a rock yeah. bottom remainders reference. Uh, Welcome to Can I Kick It? <laughs> this is a podcast about film festivals. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Colin Edgley, and I'm joined by Andy Germuga, Emilio Diaz. All right. This week we got a little bit of South by Southwest news. We're just going to talk about the winners, the prestigious awards that they give out at 
the maybe highest profile film festival in the world, South by Southwest. And also we're doing our first of our listener picks. Contributor, right. We never came up with donator. a good name for it, certainly. We uh, don't need a name for it. Sure. Uh, 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 yeah. But as we mentioned in, at the end of every episode, we have our coffee where you can donate money. And for our recurring subscribers, we uh, do a drawing and let one person pick a movie that played a festival for us to cover. And we're doing the first one of those on the New York Film Festival premiere Strange Days, directed by Catherine Bigelow. That's right. Some exciting stuff. Kathy Biggs. But, I mean, look, she's one of the famous people to make movies. <laughs> she's, I mean, one you know, of... she's one of the best. I, I was trying to be <laughs> diplomatic, but I think Point Break is incredible. She's, so. she's made a lot of very good movies, I think. Yeah, yeah. No bones about it. But before we get into her... I'm going to just read a bunch of awards. This is a classic Can I Kick It reads a list. Um, and I almost want to go from the bottom up to save the goofy ones for the end. So we're going to get very small on these awards. Um, they give out a lot of awards at South by South. They gave out a lot of awards. They have like a lot of sections. They have a lot of like a, a pretty robust number of movies. We talked about their lineup uh yeah, you know, a, a lot of ago. sponsors that need some form of representation, right. and they right, <laughs> yeah, and they have a lot of like, yeah, a lot of people who have large presences at the festival who would like to have their names on things. I'm actually, uh, I'm just gonna go in the order that this was on on deadline. Okay, um, so we're ready to get into it. I'm just gonna start going through these, and if you have thoughts, obviously chime in, but don't feel pressured to. <laughs> um, the Adobe Editing Award <laughs> goes through everything, everywhere, all at once, which was edited by Paul Rogers. This is the Daniels movie. Yeah. I should um, fucking get to see the movie, considering how much fucking money I give Adobe every fucking I year. Mean, yeah, listen, I mean, if you're going to be editing, you're maybe doing it on, you're probably doing it on Adobe, right? It's a, yeah. Well, what, Premiere? Is that what they use? Name. You've been paying those fuckers fucking Why the hell does Adobe 30, not let you just buy out $30 a month for like four years at this point is what I've been paying Adobe. It's ridiculous. Their goddamn blood money. It is ridiculous. <laughs> and they don't even have Flash anymore. Like, <laughs> I can't even play Wait, Adobe. I can't even play Quop anymore. Yeah, I can't play Derp. I can't play like friggin' Falling Sands or whatever. Stick Fighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God. Impossible game. Um, remember, yeah. Remember the glory days of Nick.com and all the Flash games? Yeah. <laughs> the Postopia site. Um, the Zeiss Cinematography Award goes to a vanishing fog with cinematography by Geo Park. The Adam Yauk Hornblower Award goes to Cheese. Directed by Damien Marcano. <laughs> She's with one of with two S's, but one of them is a dollar sign. Adam Yauk, famously from the, the, the departed Boys. member of the Beastie yeah. Boys. Nathaniel Hornblower, a character he would play. The Lewis Black Lone Star Award. I don't know if it's that Lewis Black. <laughs> the, the uh, famous goes, angry comedian? Yeah, I don't... I, the rant is due. <laughs> it cannot be Billy show um, correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, goes to What We Leave Behind, directed by Ileana Sosa. The Fandor New Voices Award. Fandor streaming service. Shout out to Andy. What, I, uh, 
I'm confused. Does Fandor still exist? I like feel like if you go <laughs> to the Fandor if, website, they're giving out awards like this if, website if isn't good anymore. What hope do they really have? If if they uh, lost Andy Gervuga. <laughs> Yeah, and he's I, like, feel I like... of course have my Prime channel for Fandor on my Amazon account. <laughs> right, I think that's the only way you can really get Fandor now is through like an Amazon or Apple TV Plus hey, channel or whatever. But they got like... South by Southwest money apparently. Yeah, sure. and that also went to What We Leave Behind, directed by Ileana Sosa. The <laughs> this is a good one. The Mailchimp <laughs> Support the Shorts Award <laughs> goes to the voice actress, directed by Anna J. Takayama. Listen, shorts um, need a lot of support. They're an underseen form, certainly. Not a lot of commercial appeal there. I'm glad uh, MailChimp's out there getting the word out. Not, yeah, yeah, I probably haven't done like a MailChimp, like a bit like I couldn't pronounce it. Like, <laughs> mail, sure, yeah. Certainly not the, like what? Certainly not the worst possible uh, ape or monkey-based sponsor. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. South by Southwest. Sure. It's right, like MailChimp. Yes. Bape clothes and then <laughs> NFT apes. Um, um, the special yeah. jury. Do you think? Rig- oh, wait, sorry, do, sorry, do you sorry. think Mailchimp will email that short to every single person who they have an email address for? I no, can't, I can't what? Imagine. I have no. <laughs> I, I, don't, no. I, don't, I don't even know what Mailchimp does really. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like an email hosting service, so you can like send mass emails to people. Really? Wow. Yeah. Business what do we business. think about Adnan Syed? Uh, um, do we think he did it? Uh, uh, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I've never listened to Serial. Always seemed like, I, sure. it always seemed like white I mean, he was like, I only know Bo Bergdahl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm strictly a Serial Season 2 guy. I'm, I'm, stri- I'm strictly an S. That's the Catherine guy. Bigelow season. <laughs> yeah, sure. Mark Bull. <laughs> Um, all right. The special jury recognition for exceptional intimacy and in storytelling goes to Bad Axe, directed by David Siev. The special jury recognition for acting in a documentary goes to Steve Glue for The Pez Outlaw. It's an award designed to make me mad. Sure. Steve <laughs> <laughs> um, What if it's like reenactments? Then it would be fair game. I sure, guess, yeah. sure. He, he's like, I have no part in this. I'm just uh, a crisis actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reenacting <laughs> a crisis actor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you invoke crisis actors sorry, sorry. on podcast? <laughs> uh, no, I know that's usually your territory. <laughs> Cut out every week. Um, the Documentary Feature Competition Grand Jury Award goes to Master of Light, directed by Rosa Ruth Boston. The special grand jury recognition for extraordinary cinematic vision goes to the cr- cast and crew of It Is In Us All. <laughs> that feels like uh, a bad title. It Is In Us All. <laughs> what is? This is just like a list of words. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, special that's, jury that's recognition. That's what oh. I need to learn prepositions for the English. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It us, it us all. <laughs> Terrence Malick ass title. Hey, hey, hey. Whoa. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> um, special jury recognition for breakthrough performance goes to Elizaveta Yankovskaya for Nika. Uh, cold reading a lot of these, so apologies if I'm mispronouncing anyone's names, obviously. The special jury recognition for going the extra mile is mid let you speak directed by dan carr so i'm guessing this is a music video go for going the extra mile did it like 
hold the door open for a little old lady or something? Like, what? Yeah. Like, this is, like, an award that I would get at, like, my Cub Scouts dinner. Like, like you stayed behind to help put the chairs up every week. Yeah. So, like, thanks the for... The special jury recognition for most improved. What the hell? <laughs> Pleasure to have in class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... The special jury recognition for powerful short trip, in quotes, goes to Omi, directed by Kelly Fife Marshall. Uh, the short film Jury Awards for the Midnight Shorts, Mashari, uh, directed by Nuash Humayani. I can't imagine Midnight Shorts are a popular section of South by Southwest. Sure. They gotta have stuff that's like easy to get into for people who like don't. Plan a mi- well. Yeah, a midnight short selection is like. I feel very like everybody at, at midnight at South by Southwest <laughs> is just like pounding white claws and just like yeah, at a party. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, or like I don't know, you've got, just gotten out of like a big live music show and it's like, oh, I guess I could stop by this theater instead of. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, and he and has no idea what happens at a concert at South by Southwest. I guess oh, I'll just pop in the yeah. theater on my way yeah. <laughs> to my nine thousand dollar Airbnb. My Molly hasn't stopped hitting, so I'm <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll go pop in for some shorts. I'm peaking my bean right shorts. now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me vote in this jury, I guess. <laughs> I, um, I'm in lockjaw, so I guess I'll just ask yeah. for a ticket to make sure. I've been candy Molly for six hours. Let me try and find a water bottle in this movie theater. Um, that it is probably hard to get into without multiple passes and tickets. <clears throat> the short film Grand Jury Award for music videos goes to Desiree Dawson's Meet Me at the Light, directed by Alexander Farrah. The 2022 Special Jury Recognition for Unique Vision and Writing and Directing goes to My Year of Dicks, directed by Sarah Gunnarsdottir. Uh, it looks like a Scandinavian name. Um, so apologies again. The Special Jury Recognition for Unexpected Emotion goes to L'Alarme de la Seine, directed by Yanis Belaid and Elliot Bernard. They should be required to say which emotion was unexpected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was expecting happy and I got sad, and so... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more of these. There are. There's a lot more. I think we're over halfway. Um, okay. <laughs> the special jury recognition for visceral storytelling goes to Something in the Garden, directed by Marco Sanchez. The special... Or, sorry, the short film Grand Jury Award for Animated Shorts goes to Bestia, directed by Hugo Covarabius. Oh, sure. He's... I've I've seen that. It's an Oscar-nominated short. Sure, yes. This is the... This, uh... Columbia, Someone like... No. Has What's... sex with a dog, right? <laughs> yes, that is true. It's based on, like, a real person from history who was... Looks like their name is Mr. Hands. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have this information. Right it's no, no worries. The uh, special Chile. jury recognition. It's, it's uh, <laughs> sure, from Chile's okay. dark, like, yeah, like, violent past, so. Yeah. Sure. Congrats. Um, yeah. Interesting. They've been nominated for an Oscar already, but now they also have a short film <laughs> Grand Jury Award from South by Southwest. <laughs> I think that might put them over the top. We'll see. Sure, yeah. Uh, no one's talking about this. Everyone's talking about the PGA win for Coda. <laughs> if you really think about it, this is where the money is. Uh, the special jury recognition for visual reflection goes to not even for a moment do things stand still, directed by Jamie Meltzer. Uh, 
Is that the special? Is that literal inside? reflection? Do you think? Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think it is some bullshit. Uh, metaphorical um, reflection. Yeah, I get it. Just, just have yeah. to put it out there. Listen, yeah, you're asking questions that we're all afraid to. Uh, the special jury recognition for directing and community filmmaking goes to Glitter Ain't Gold, directed by Christian Nolan Jones. The special jury recognition for outstanding performances goes to Aphrodite Armstrong and Kyle Riggs for West by God. The short film Grand Jury Award for Narrative Short goes to All the Crows in the World, directed by Tang Yi. The special jury recognition for poster design <laughs> goes to the sentence of Michael Thompson designed by Juan Miguel Marin. The film design award for poster design <laughs> goes to More Than I Remember by Yin Tan and Maya Edelman. There are six left. The short film jury award for documentary short goes to Long Line of Ladies. Directed by Rayaka Zetabchi and Shandin Tomei. The special jury recognition. This is a huge one, Andy. Are you ready? I'm ready. The special jury recognition, that is the entire title, goes to the White Lotus title sequence <laughs> by Hell Katrina Crawford yes. and Mark Bashor. How did that get into the festival? It's Who 20... knows? That show aired a year ago. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know why they're talking about it. I don't know why. It's the, a great title the... sequence. I mean, the song sure. is, like, really cool. Uh... I guess this is the special jury that can recognize anything. <laughs> just like, feel... what else did I see this last yeah. year that I want to yeah. shout out? They're like, we kept talking about White Lotus at brunch, so I think we should just give it an award. Yeah, the special jury uh... recognition goes to Cletus the robot from the month <laughs> the, the, the Sunday night football opening. Yeah. Um the film design award for title sequence goes to Foundation by Ronnie Koff. Where the special from? jury recognition for immersive storytelling goes to History of Painting, The Light and the Shadow, directed by Quentin Duras and Gael Moray. The film award for 40 years of massive talent, obviously, goes to Nicolas Cage, which is just made up <laughs> because that is what I mean, his he showed called. up to South by, so they yeah. were like, I guess we have to give him an award. Um, and then the narrative feature competition grand jury award goes to I Love My Dad, directed by James Morosini, which I believe is a movie with Patton Oswalt in it. Yes, that's correct, I believe. And look... Um, yeah. What a year of South by Southwest it was. Mm -hmm. uh, go back to our episode from a, a year ago where we talked about the White Lotus. Because <laughs> sure. I guess that counts as South by coverage. Um, sure. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I, did we say on air, uh, the word on every movie is that it's good. Yeah, everyone um, uh, seems to like everything. <laughs> the greatest uh, in history. Yeah. <laughs> uh, X with the Ty West movie, which premiered there is right. uh, is out in now. theaters yeah you can see it now i almost saw um, it a couple of times ended up not doing so i've heard mixed things i've heard it's like good I've heard yeah it's also it not seems very interesting good. i have a one of my college buddies is really into ty west so i've, sure, I've never seen any yeah. of his movies but i only seen him act which is crazy um, what movie is he in? but i guess he's friends with lena dunham so that's fun sure. um what movie of the end and 
he's in your next and he's in the Joe Swanberg movie Drinking Buddies. He's like part of that oh. crew. Oh, okay. Um I think I saw Drinking Buddies. I don't remember. Yeah. Um The New Link Letter, um Right. <clears throat> Apologize. It's called half. Yep, there that's gonna be out on Netflix at the start of next month. Um Sure. It looks good. I've heard good things. Rotoscope back. Yep. Um excited to see that. And the uh, everything everywhere all at once was like is getting pretty, yeah pretty hyped I think people are talking about it. Sean Fennessy says it's the best movie he's seen since <laughs> Trey Edward Schultz's Waves. <laughs> and uh, no comment. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, is there anything else we want to say about South by Southwest? I don't know if we'll, we might do an episode. On the Link Letter movie, if that's something that anyone maybe that's something we've been kicking around. In. It'd be interesting. I've never, I've never seen any of those rotoscope movies. Um, yeah, same, same. So yeah, so look, maybe, maybe we'll do it. Maybe. Um, I like Link Letter generally. Link Letter is great for the summer. I feel. Uh, yeah. And this one looks like it'll fit in that canon. Uh, sure. Who's a good spring director? This is maybe too big of a question to ask. Now we can table it. Uh, well, Souvenir Part 2, I find very springy. I just watched that again. And I, okay. fi- like, I truly, I'm like, this has such, like, it's like the opposite energy of Souvenir 1, which is, like, all winter vibes. Sure, and right. Souvenir 2 is, like, all spring vibes. I get uh, that, sure. There's, like, a lot of pastels and, like, flowers. There's a lot of earth, like, Nature, of course, yes. Clay, clay uh, figurines, and or, sure, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what is a good spring director? I mean, Romare, he has a movie. It's like a tale of springtime. Uh, Ozu obviously has early and late spring. Um, I'm sure there's a few. We'll think about it. Listeners, yeah. tweet yeah. at us. I feel like I'm more inclined to be like, this movie is very springy rather than this director is very springy. I, yeah, sure. But I, I did just that. say Link Letter Summary, so I guess... But I mean, Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Famously a great late fall, early winter movie. <laughs> Famously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with that, do we want to start talking about Strange Days? Uh, yeah, so we can talk about Strange Days. So Strange Days, uh, I guess... What this movie is, uh, is that it is a uh, sci-fi original concept from James Cameron, from the mind of James Cameron, uh, which uh, he, like, came up with the treatment for and stuff. And then uh, there's a co-writer on the screen. Jay Cox. Jay Cox, that's right. Uh, And Catherine Bigelow, uh, famous uh, former spouse of James Cameron, uh, who whooped him for an Oscar once. Uh, directed. Uh, it is a uh, set on New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety nine. Well, and like, and also the day before. Uh, it's like set over two days. Um, and it is a world where there's this new technology that's called Squid, which is uh, allows you to essentially experience a recording of someone else's lived experience, like and you feel all the sensations that they feel and you see all the things that they see uh and it's about a dealer and these these is this is not a like sanctioned technology it's like a like a illicit sort of thing and so there's this dealer in this squid technology played by uh ray fine 
uh, named Lenny Nero. Yeah. A great name, I think. A lot of great names in this movie, I will yes. say. Um, who uh, finds himself uh, caught up in a uh, dark underworld sort of plot is, like, I guess would say the, the basic premise. Yeah. Um, Squid, for whatever it's worth, stands for Superconducting Quantum Interference Device. Sure. It's like a little little mesh Weird. net thing that like yeah, looks you like what you wear head. when you get an MRI or whatever. Or I don't know if that's... It looks like medical equipment that you like put on your head. It's yeah. like a cyber yarmulke. Uh, right, sure. Yeah. They uh, they usually put a wig on top of it if you're so uh, recording yeah. so that people can't see that you're wearing it. Um, and then, yeah, you ha- there's like a little receiver thing that you're supposed to keep near you that like records your experiences on too. A mini disc! That's the fun thing yeah. about this is they're all like mini discs and, and, and things. Like that was where the tech was going. Um uh yeah and like i guess it's a pretty well-known movie at this point it is notably also hard to find and watch it's one of those things where cameron has the rights like how abyss still doesn't have a blu-ray right and he Um, keeps being like i'm getting to it and then he's also like but i'm making avatars two through eight or whatever so yeah um it's never seems to be his highest priority to get it out there. It like will occasionally pop up on like HBO or like other things and like be streaming for a few months that way. But like you can't like buy it or rent it really digitally. Yeah. There's only uh, an anamorphic or non-anamorphic widescreen DVD, I believe, in the U.S., uh, which is what I watched it on. I rented it from the library. Yeah. Um, and I had to like adjust my TV settings to get it to fill up the whole screen. Um yeah, and I think it's it's uh, a very cool movie. I think it's yeah. Like, uh, I mean, it premiered. It was a centerpiece at the right. 1995 New York Film Festival. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, and it, it opened like pretty immediately after. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, uh, like, it opened and release uh, was had mixed reception at the time. Huge box office flop has sort of been reclaimed yeah. as people yeah. dive into the Bigelow filmography, and also obviously some of the things that it is talking about and like doing right. thematically it's like obviously like swings in and out of relevance in a way such a way that people will look back at it but oh it's, yes but most importantly it's just kind of sick yeah it's a cool movie i think that opening scene because all this sort of squid yeah. scenes are pov shot yes and it opens just like you're thrown into uh this robbery that is all POV. And when I was watching, I was like, oh, so this is like the best movie I've ever seen. And then it goes in and out. And it's like, I landed that it's like very good. I think it has its flaws. Certainly. Um, I feel like the movie that I, I see it compared to a lot is something we've already talked about. Uh, Richard Kelly's Southland tales. And I think it sort of has lofty ambitions and like a take on, modern setting with future technology in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it is interesting in that it's a movie made in 1995 that has the far, it has like the far flung apocalyptic, apocalyptic future of 1999. So, it, yeah. yeah, but I guess and my, my impression of it seems to be like Cameron and, 
wrote the script and the treatment like in the mid 80s and then like really because yeah, i feel like, like the late 80s really and early 90s yeah. and then but like since y2k and like the year 2000 was such a big right. part they of it they were so in love with like the like yeah the, the new millennium idea that like they couldn't abandon it no matter how late they were making the movie yeah um yeah it is funny and like they set it up like at the beginning or like after the opening sequence like you hear like a lot of radio chatter and stuff and they're like well, the economy sucks. Gas is only, is is over a few a few dollars a gallon right now. It's over That's three dollars a gallon, is what they say. Yeah, which is very funny. Yeah. Um, God, yeah. I wish. Oh boy, don't get me started talking about these friggin' gas prices these days. Joe Biden, I, make the gas cheap again. Why I won't you? Wish it was three dollars. He ain't Frank. <laughs> he ain't Frank. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, it is, like, one of those things where it's, like, this weird sort of vapor-wavy movie that is, like, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote eerily prescient to some. Because it does have to deal a lot with, like, police brutality and, like, body cams and stuff like that. I guess it's, Um, like, the body cam stuff is the one part that you could say it's prescient maybe because it's like obviously the like police brutality stuff was just like they were just commenting happening on at the time. yeah rodney yeah. king they were just commenting yeah, on that sort of thing because i yeah, think it's set bigelow it's set in la yeah bigelow uh at the time of the rodney king event she was uh like helping in la doing like street cleanup and like trying to be uh participating in that and I guess that informed a lot of what she decided to do. And it is, like, around a lot of these things where it's, like, the production process and, like, writing process is happening around that time. Mm-hmm. And then the filming is happening uh, during the OJ trial. And I think it's released, like, a few days after the OJ verdict. And it's just crazy to think about this specific time sure. that she's making this movie. Um, and, yeah, I mean... It's got a lot of great stuff in it. Uh, I think yeah. Ray Fiennes is really funny in it. He looks like Bradley Cooper and sounds like James Woods. And I couldn't stop thinking about the entire time as I was watching it. Um, and then you've got like Juliette Lewis as his ex-girlfriend who's dating this you know, music producer who's played by Michael Wincott, who's, like, famous for being a scary guy. Yeah, um, the raspiest voice in Hollywood. Do you know who she, Bigelow originally wanted to play the Michael Wincott role? I f- it's pretty crazy. I forget. She wanted it to be Bono. Okay, which, yeah, yeah. I think like, I had it. I mean, that makes sense, certainly. It would have been like, so cool, I think, if that happened. He would have really gone for it, certainly. Yeah, um, he would have been like, I'm the fly. <laughs> uh, and do all this weird stuff. I think that would have been really funny. Um, and then he's got his two friends, uh, Angela Bassett as Mace, who, yes. when, he, when he, when Ray Fiennes was a cop, uh, he helped Angela Bassett during like a domestic violence thing, or and it was just like the the her husband and the father of her child wasn't around, and Ray Fine stepped in, and they developed this sort of friendship. Um, and then his other friend is Tom Sizemore, and I forget what's his name. Red flag. Um, 
Yeah, his Tom Sizemore, believe it or not, he's like, chill. He doesn't do anything bad. <laughs> yes, his name is Max Peltier. Yeah, Peltier, Peltier yeah. Um, and he is also, I think he's like a PI, uh, but they both were cops together. Uh, and he, as we find out, is working as a bodyguard for Juliette Lewis. Um, Faith Justin is, is Juliet Lewis's name, which is also a good name. Yes, yes. Um, at the behest of Michael Wincott, who is, uh, he's got a crazy name. It's like something Gan, right? Philo Gant. Yeah, Philo Gant. Very funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, the movie sort of follows Ray Fiennes through these like couple of days as like the craziest stuff is happening to him. He puts all this stuff together. There's, there's a pair of cops, uh, played by Vincent D'Onofrio and William William Fickner as Officer Gordon Steckler and Dwayne Engelman. It's a solid as hell cast. Um, there was, yeah, a lot of time when like William Fickner at the end and like D'Onofrio as they're like in the, you know, final standoff, I was just like, this is crazy that they're in this. And I guess this is like the same year that Fickner's in heat. Like, (laughs) Big big year for him. Um, what is D'Onofrio in at this? I guess it is a year I mean, after Ed it, Wood. Sure, yeah. And he's like very scary. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's as you can imagine, Vincent D'Onofrio is giving a very committed performance of a intense person. person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, the it starts, and I was like, even past the sort of. POV robbery where this guy jumps off the roof at the end and apparently they like did that with no wires or something is the legend uh, that it sure, was just there's like, like a feature right on the DVD about that opening sequence that I I mean I'd love to see because I can't imagine how difficult the rigs were of like right. what cameras that they have to wear to get these POV shots because yeah because um, like you see their arms and stuff all the it's time crazy. like it's like really is like very realistic as far as like what the POV of a person um, is and but then, like, um, the this guy, like, jumps off the rooftop and then it basically, like, snaps out instantly and it's Ray Fiennes and he's like, oh, I don't like snuff. I don't want to see people right. die. I don't deal, I don't he's deal like, with He's like, my customers don't want that. And he's like a black market POV dealer. <laughs> the, yeah, that's what I mean when this is eerily prescient, that people would pay for POV scenes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... Uh, um, Andy doesn't like that one, but uh, they um, but he and he's like sort of just dealing the like it's like drugs basically that he's dealing of like the euphoria that you get from like being in this right. situation you, or like, whatever. Get all yeah, you get all the like the uh, endorphins and right, like the the hormones and stuff get released, yeah. uh, and you feel the sensations. So like. People are obviously into sex scenes with this, yeah. Um, and yeah, but then you see a, you see a bunch of them throughout the movie, and I like like there's the the guy in the wheelchair who like, yeah, has one where he's running in the sand. Yeah, a guy um, with no legs. He's, and uh, he... Yeah, right. He's a double amputee. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, you just see a bunch of there's like you know and... people have different fantasies. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Nero, the science character, he basically only uses it himself to just recall memories of his relationship yeah. to Juliet Lewis, which is now ended, which is, like, an interesting way to depict how that sort of experience might have take a hold on some on some people and, like, what they are replacing with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But yeah. But I mean, like, I do agree. Ahead, I, I think that the first time I watched it, and I think even this time, I do agree with Colin, where it's like I think the stuff in it that is good is ama- is basically amazing, and you would like to see it. But there is also like a bunch of just weird stuff in it that I don't think completely yeah, works. Yeah. I think. Yeah. When it starts d- diving more into the like police brutality sort of like aspect of it, it's when it becomes a little like yeah. Catherine I mean, Catherine Bigelow like, making that sort of <laughs> just like yeah. speaking on those topics is just like not Shades a thing. Of Detroit. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. Like, I have not seen Detroit, um, but I feel like when that came out, and as like. It was almost simpatico with this being like reclaimed as that as Detroit was coming out, mm-hmm. that that I, people would compare the two because they're her two. I, I guess Blue Steel also I've not seen. Right. I don't know what that really good. delves into. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, but it's one of those things where it's like Detroit dealing with police brutality and like police. Uh, rule breaking or whatever like just sure. yeah. abuse racism. of power and like racism, racism. and it also has to do with like and riots and abuse, riots and stuff and, yeah, and riots right. and this is has a similar thread throughout it and that is like what the weakest stuff is to where like the ending where the cops still save the day basically I'm like you you really like you almost had something <laughs> Um, and it, and there's a, like a bit of where I'm like, she is not saying that it's like fully day saved, I suppose, because it's like the cops that were like beating Angela Bassett in that last scene before someone stepped in. She, uh, those are the same cops that like arrest, uh, D'Onofrio at the end. And it's like, I would maybe give Bigelow more credit than someone else but again like having not seen Detroit I might be wrong to do so where it's like I trust that she wouldn't fully be like and then the cops that are good came in and stopped the ones that are bad and it's like no that shouldn't be what happens <laughs> I mean well yeah and also like she didn't write the screenplay either so it's not sure like sure she, sure like, yeah she didn't necessarily like make all those calls and like you can see how James Cameron and whatever, like his like story instincts or whatever would be like, well, we have to like tie it up a little more than like maybe is a, is in it like for narrative function. Like it's going to be too neat for like what maybe thematically we want to say. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, my problem is less like that sort of like what land it side, it like what side it lands on politically my issue is just like it just feels like very crunchy like we're gonna talk about the inner city stuff like especially when you get into more of like angela bassett's backstory and like that part of the movie and when they go to like her neighborhood it just like it just rings a little like we're looking at this from the outside and we're sort of there's like a weird sort of pity that i'm uncomfortable in this depiction, even though like Bassett's great, obviously she's a great actress and she yeah. has a great performance. She's very funny and good and charming and like very compelling to watch on screen. Mm-hmm. There yeah. is also, Go ahead. I mean, no, yeah, just she's really wonderful. She's you know she gets a lot of cool action like driving set pieces and stuff. She you know she's yeah. she's like a limo driver uh, and like she 
it's just, her playing frustration with Ray Fines. I think is always really good. Like that's like good register for her to play with that how like how how frustrating he is to have in your life. Um, yeah. And yeah, and then like yeah, when she when when there are the moments where she like has to like do crazy driving stuff, that's really cool too. Yeah, and like the stuff of her and Fines, like it works of them where she is like get out of my limo like don't sell those drugs in the back of my car or whatever um but then it also like i almost like don't buy the romance that springs from them like at all like that feels Mm -hmm. because it is the sort of thing of like you have juliet lewis as the woman that finds it's like pining for that his like love lost and uh angela bassett is like has this relationship where they just spend a lot of time together and uh, at one point is like, there's like a, don't you know I've loved you or whatever type thing. And it's like, at the end, there's this big triumphant kiss that does work in the moment, I think, like where the door shuts and then he like runs back and then she gets out of the car and then on the big screen, like at the rave or whatever, you see them kissing like at the end of the year (laughs) or the start of the year, depending on how you look at it. And that works just as a moment of like rush and excitement of like two attractive actors kissing on screen in like whatever bunch of stuff is happening. Uh, But like thematically, I don't really think that works well. Um, But yeah. And then like you're saying, Emilio, the sort of, pity that it has on like that sort of area uh is worked in in an odd way where it's like the main thrust of the movie is two mini discs that ray finds has one is like or he doesn't have it yet but like one is the like rape and murder of someone who worked for uh michael wincott and also the murder of a famous like musician and activist um Jericho I forget one. the character's name Jericho yeah yeah Jericho one yeah 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 and um you see there, there's like footage of Vincent D'Onofrio like pulling him over and then shooting him um and that is the sort of like I don't know it is just like weird how they're trying to thread it all together throughout and like it mostly works like everything else in the movie i'm like this mostly works with like high peaks but that is like along with the other sort of crunchy stuff like you're saying like the we should talk about this (laughs) um yeah i mean well yeah and it's interesting because like though like obviously those moments and like there's like our you know there's a rape like that's very viscerally depicted and i mean like, it is one of the most insane things i've ever seen right because like, like especially I, I was like, like how are they showing this still yeah because like also there's a whole thing where like he is raping her and also transmitting his feelings to her as yes. he is raping he's her, making he puts a is... blindfold on her eyes but then a squid on her head so she is experiencing what he's seeing and doing to her it is like so fucked up (laughs) it's incredibly upsetting yeah and like all that stuff is like presented you know it's presented point of view you're there it's all like these long unbroken 
takes of like these incredibly upsetting uh-huh. things happen and like there's nowhere to cut away from because of the conceit of like how we have this footage or whatever is like it is from the pov of like a person who was there yeah. and like it's interesting because it like puts you in that moment and it really you really do feel the visceral like horror of it and the, yeah. like the discomfort of all that and th- but then like afterwards we have to like we want we see like ray fine unpack having experienced those the seeing those things and stuff and like it's interesting i don't know it's interesting the way the movie sort of like drops these huge upsetting bombs in them and like i don't know if there's enough done to like really unpack them and like examine them and 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 like really like get at like what we're doing with yeah them yeah it's like the movie has these incredibly shot and like executed sequences that are like insanely visceral like the beginning or like that rape scene and then when you get to the normal movie its tone is like Ray Fine slides across a car and Angela Bassett is like come on you can't be doing that right now and, if you, and, it, and it does feel insane a bit but I think yeah I do think it like mostly works I think mm-hmm. I was reading a lot of uh, reviews of it like at the time and like some of the reclamation and i think uniformly it's it's like people are like bigelow's doing a lot the actors are great but the it's like the script is maybe like the weak part of it it's just like trying to do too much and then some of the dialogue is very weird it's trying it's trying very hard to be like noiry clever dialogue and i know i mean that stuff almost works for me like i like how much it is just like tech noir like a jargon you want to jack in like, yeah yeah i mean all that just like where they like call like weird they had just like have weird nicknames for everything and like that opening scene where he's talking to the like other the dealer guy. like yeah. yeah oh no 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 the one um where he like he's like i don't i don't oh like, right sure when he's like yeah like, this isn't the sort of and thing the other guy's like nah come on you want this baby no and he's like, like i gotta edit like, it and that's i'm gonna not gonna pay you yeah, yeah yeah i mean that stuff's it. fun but i do think <laughs> it's like there's parts in like when it's like uh fines and uh god what's his name his partner's name uh Oh, uh, Sizemore. Sizemore, Sizemore where, where I believe Sizemore at one point is like, ah, oh, you could sell a you could sell a cat asshole for a wedding ring or something like that. Where it's just, <laughs> yeah, where it's just like, well, this guy fucking watched the Big Heat once and then tried to write a bunch of lines like that. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is funny <laughs> like that. I do think, uh, like you're saying, of just like the scripting, the weak element, and everything else being good. I think Fines is like really good. I like how slimy he is. His hair like, is so gross. Oh my god! I mean, he is con- constantly sweating. <laughs> he uh, is like weirdly obsessed with like his ugly suits. There's that bit where right. he's like, uh, he's like, "This is all wrong," and she's like, "What?" He's like, "I can't wear this tie with his shirt." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, that's funny." Uh, right. He's got his running Rolex bit where like the first time it happened, I wasn't ready for it to happen again. And when it did, I was like, that's so good. And uh, where he's just like, here, here, I'll give you my Rolex off my wrist. And like the first time the guy just like takes it. And the second time the guy's like, this is fake. <laughs> yeah. Um, like uncut gems. Yeah. I was going to say there's a bit of an uncut gems panic energy yeah. running around. Yeah. To I it. mean, I guess like if uh, I, uncut gems, uncut gems, if I mean, if I were to give the script any credit is that it does like move. You know, it is for, for yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a movie that is like two hours and a half long. Almost, oh. it, it it just like it is always constantly mm-hmm. in motion. It's never like yeah, it's never like stopping for like a long stretch of time to just be like 
for stuff yeah. you don't need. It, it, like, maybe you could use it in some aspects, but I do think, like, some of the right. elements that Ring falls, he would maybe pay more attention to if it took it more of a sure. time trying to talk about it. Yeah. I th- Yeah. I th- Like, obviously, like, it has a lot of great ideas and, like, a lot of really, like, cinematic great ideas, which is, like, so it lends well to being, like, well-directed. I do think, like, some of the specifics of the story are, like, and, like, uh, and the mechanics of how we, like, uncover the mystery are a little, like, rote and, like, not that exciting yeah. to me. I don't think the Juliette Lewis character really works at all for me. I mean, I she know. doesn't really get to be anything. She doesn't really do much, yeah. It's like she's just there as sort of, like, not even table setting, just, like, table dressing. Like, she's just there to be the object of finds desire yeah i mean it's weird because she like she's on the poster it's like her it's yeah i mean she was huge at the time i mean this is like the most juliet lewis as juliet lewis performance ever yeah she she played a lot of people like harvey yeah she sings pj Uh harvey she's just like she's just like she's gross she's like a little (laughs) gross but she's only like sexy in that way you know yeah i mean she's like naked the entire movie also like sweating constantly yeah and then like just turns out to be like a pawn and but also like a pawn in a very uninteresting way that sort of like climactic reveal where it is Sizemore that did the raping um where they pull his wig off and I was like holy shit I thought that was just like for the movie yeah that, um, is a good, that he was supposed that, to have that hair that like almost like an incredible piece of just <laughs> costume design of just like a wig that's so dumb that you're like okay i guess this is like a future thing this has to be yeah, and yeah. then at the end you're like oh i guess i was right yeah. to think that the wig was stupid yeah but, there's um, multiple moments in this movie where someone like pulls a wig off of someone else it's crazy yeah. like how much how many wigs are coming off yeah we're gonna do the special jury achievement in wig snatches <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah i mean it is like sort of scooby Dooey by the end for sure yeah yeah but i mean like that you have the bit of like we see the same sort of rape scene play out but not with the sex worker character from earlier but it's juliet lewis this time and so then finds thinks she's dead um and you find out that uh wincott had the squid on and like experience like he basically overdosed on it and because like throughout the entire movie they keep like planting seeds that he uses that too much um and he like basically overdoses on it and then Sizemore is like revealed to be in the room and like the mastermind and he kills Michael Wincott and Juliet Lewis is still alive and finds watches the rest of it you know like there's all this sort of as this is happening Bassett is like trying to outrun D'Onofrio and Fickner as they, like, keep interacting with each other uh, throughout the film as well. Um, yeah, it's just... But, yeah, it is, like... Yeah, it's just, like, it's a chase movie, and it's also, like, a noir movie, and it's also, like, an apocalypse movie, and it's also, like... And it's also, like, hackers. <laughs> yeah. It, there's just and so just, much. But, but yeah. it, and that's like, also sort of, what it, sort of what's cool about it. Yes, yeah. It's like, I mean, it is like the Southland Tales thing where it's like, you do kind of just have to respect the ambition of it all. Um, especially when it is so technically uh, impressive. And like, you also have, um, you're, you know, saying that it does move and like, it feels like it 
doesn't really waste any of its time. It is too long, and it is like I don't know what you could cut. But when I was watching, it, I was like, this like I feel that this is too long. I feel that I like don't want to just have this be as long as it is. <laughs> like it, it just is one of those things. It's like uh, an an ineffable quality of like how long it is. <laughs> And, but I don't, it's just like aesthetically, I find it fascinating. It's like entire take on like it's apocalypse of just like, it's just a little pushed in that direction where it's just like, yeah, it is like using a lot of riot imagery, but it constantly being like, it's just like this all the time. There's a lot of chaos. Mm-hmm. The cops are like overrun. The right. It's, and there's start- like also the added stuff, like New Year's Eve celebrations also happening at the same time. Like, so there's like, there's a little bit of like, what is this like something happening or is this just the holiday? Like, yeah, that sort of push pull is like there. The yeah, it bit. seems like it's almost like apocalypse culty about Y2K in the year 2000 and what that could mean. And it just clearly is about the society clinging on to things change either changing in some ra- radical way or just leaning heavily into like squid usage and being like well i guess we'll find our pleasures in some other different way we just need an outlet we just need an escape yeah uh so two things did you know that the end new year celebration they like basically threw a party and were like you can pay ten dollars to get in uh, and there's going to be just, like, a concert and, like, basically all these extras, like, paying to be in the movie. Uh, and they had, like, Aphex Twin and, like, did this huge show and then just, like, filmed around it and, like, used it as setting. And then I guess also during the club scenes, uh, they did a similar thing where they just, like, basically threw a, ra- a rave and Bigelow just, like, wanted to film as much as she could and, like, had the band just, like, constantly playing. Uh, and then the other thing is, I don't know if either of you seen Brian De Palma's Domino, nope. but like the POV shot is obviously a De Palma thing. He likes to do the voyeuristic looking through shot. Um, but in Domino, which was his 2018, 2019, maybe uh film that was mostly met with mixed reactions to say the, like most positively, uh, but I think it's very good, and it's uh, there's a terrorist attack in it where it's a live feed of the POV of the gun barrel and the PO and like a front facing camera of the person doing the attack, if that makes any sense. And it shows up split screen in the movie, so like it's it's very crazy, it's very intense. Don't like the sound and, of that. <laughs> Just gotta I mean, say. It's, it is. Ve- I mean, it's very intense and it's used incredibly effectively in a similar way that like the POV very intense, very visceral scenes in this are. And I did keep thinking about, cause I mean, I think about that scene uh, like all the time where I'm like, I can't believe he did this. And people like are always talking about how crazy it is. Yeah. I mean, my, did it, I feel like he sort of disowned that movie. Cause it's like, uh, 
I believe he it was like a thing where he had an extremely different cut of that movie and then like his weird European distributors were like, no, this is 90 minutes long. We're going to cut half of it out and we're just going to put this out and we don't give a shit about what you think. So he wow, yeah. So he just like disowned it is the reason why that movie is sort of both weirdly received and not talked about. Sure, yeah. Uh, but no, it's... I don't know. It's just, it's like one of those movies that, Stranger Things is just one of those movies where it's just fascinating that it exists. It's just like, yeah. Especially as, I don't know. It's like, you know, the circumstances under which it got made, right? Where it was like post Terminator 2, they gave Cameron a a huge deal and they were, and he was like, yeah, I want to make two movies, Strange Days and True Lies, but you have to promise you're going to make them both. And, he was like, yeah, Catherine is going to direct Strange Days and I'll mm-hmm. go make True Life. And then Strange Days yeah. was a huge flop. Yeah. True Life is, I think, still the only Cameron movie besides like his Piranha movie that I have not seen. Um, sure. I really don't like that movie. I really don't sure. like True Lies. Um, that's easily my least favorite Cameron, including the Piranha movie. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, um, but it's, I mean, it's like Bigelow, Point Break, I think an American masterpiece. I think what maybe one of the like five greatest action movies ever made. Near Dark, yeah. I have a lot of fondness for. I think Near Dark is like Near Dark sick. It's like an it's sick. It's like an incredibly cool movie. Hurt Locker is the Hurt Locker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hurt Locker is my favorite. I um, I don't like uh, Point Break very much. Uh, <laughs> Because I don't like Keanu in it. I'm sorry. Oh, um, no. Why do you have to keep running your mouth, dude? <laughs> you had an out. Yeah, Keanu's so good. Um, That's maybe his best yeah. performance. It's certainly one of them. That or, like, maybe Matrix Resurrection. Yeah, it's like either of those um, two. I, yeah. keep, I think about, I mean, just quickly on Point Break. It is, like insanely gorgeous looking i think about those skydiving scenes all the time where you can see like the streak of the person in the sky after they've left the frame or whatever and it's just so insane looking uh and then also i think uh always i'm thinking about the scene uh where they're doing like the raid of like the you know the house or whatever and Keanu's up close to the freaking lawnmower and it's like spinning at his face and he's just like a centimeter away from it. It's one of the craziest things I've God. ever seen. I mean, that movie is sick as hell. I mean, it's like obviously one of those things that's almost hacked to say, but it's like, I really wish she would make another genre movie. Yeah, she's like, tr- she I was, mean, true. she was absolutely incredible. At it. Yeah. I mean, the Mark Bolification of her movies, uh, I mean, it, and it's like, whatever, I like The Hurt Locker, and I I mean, I, if, if, I'm just too far away to even know what I even think about fucking Zero Dark Thirty as, Zero at Dark this 30. point. Yeah. I'm on I, John McCain's side. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, yeah, I yeah I think Zero Dark Thirty is very good. Um, I like Blue Steel. I like I like The Loveless a lot. I've, I've not seen Loveless. Loveless is weirdly a movie uh, that when I saw, I was like... I fucking hate this movie, but maybe I, but funny. maybe I would feel differently about it. The Loveless to me, yeah. it, it was to me was just like, this is like, what if Twin Peaks wasn't interesting? So it's just excruciating. <laughs> it's not not that certainly, but uh, uh, I don't know. I was kind of into it. 
Um, Near Dark is very cool. Also, as like you're saying, her sort of genre work, and that similarly to Strange Days is like there's just like a lot of cool stuff in here, and then that one almost it's like the stuff that doesn't work is basically just like it basically works. Like yeah. <laughs> it's like very. I think that movie is like very good. Yeah, that movie. That and movie just is like weirdly fun and cool. One ideas. of the few movies I would say this about is like almost weirdly too slight. There's like almost really too little. Sure. Going yeah, on. you want more. Yeah. yeah. But it's like. Pe- it's vibe. People get set on fire in that movie. It's just one of the, every, the fire, every, the bullet holes, Bill Paxton. Paxton, yeah. It's just ah oh, man. God Paxton. Near Dark is just, just fucking rocks. That's that's yeah. weirdly a movie I think about all the time. Of just like that's such a cool movie. That movie just looks great. I mean, it's like neo western vampire cowboy yeah. like, but with like her intense action shit. So it's just like yeah. No, it's like. We should be making more near darks. I don't know what to say. Yeah. So if I don't know, it's like she has. I don't know if I would ever say she's one of my favorite directors, but she certainly has made some of my favorite movies. Maybe is what I would describe it as, like Point Break and Near Dark, and even this, like the parts I really, I like, I extremely like. And she just has yeah. an incredibly compelling thing. And of course, she directed the famously uh, unseen pilot of The Miraculous Year which uh, is a behind-the-scenes look at the world of Broadway that famously opens with uh, Norbert Leo Butts as a Stephen Sondheim type doing coke off of a Wicked playbill. Uh, <laughs> you can find the script and read it online. It is my great white whale in terms of unproduced. Do they film it? Uh, they they made a pilot. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, at HBO. yeah, it's like the the correction thing correction. where they made it. They yeah, made a pilot, is, yeah. then they just didn't pick up the show, and people are just like, I would just like to see this pilot. <laughs> but yes, I've heard people that have seen the corrections pilot that like sure have like a way to like pass it around <laughs> that i i don't know anything about that i have never you can get the the script of the miraculous yeah. year but i don't think i've ever heard of anyone having seen the pilot outside of like hbo executives who passed on yeah it. that's crazy I, i'm sure if you worked at hbo you could maybe find it that's the, like i have considered like should i try to change my career path so i could work at hbo so i could see this thing maybe just the but, original uh, pilots yeah um yeah, yeah. i mean if like, anyone has any ins please let me know oh my god yeah <laughs> if there's anything that you're like this is weirdly hard to see send it to me i'll be just interested in that <laughs> Colin loves to be in an exclusive club yeah and you don't i yeah you pay for every freaking Crown Club, <laughs> all of it. Crown Club is free. Regal Crown Club, thank you very much. Sure. But you are a VIP member. <laughs> uh, I think my I recently went from Diamond to Emerald <laughs> because I haven't been going what? to Regal enough. And I do Vidmo Timothy Regal, $5 a month Timothy just to Regal. be safe. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that does it for Strange Days unless anyone has any final thoughts no it's a did people like it out of new york uh i think it was like mixed positive i, re- I read a janet maslin review at the time who saw it at at uh new york the yeah and she really liked it uh, i know ebert famously gave it four stars at that time he, yeah he loved it uh but i know that other people were more mixed on it because they were just like right. it's overstuffed and this that and they, they just yeah. like didn't appreciate a lot of what it's doing like i think a lot of people were also like this is too intense like i don't know like if you should sure. be going this far which is like yeah 
you know, that one rape scene is one of the things where I'm like, that is, this is truly, like, almost pushing the boundary of, like... Yeah. Right. Of, yes. Something that is acceptable <laughs> to submit an audience to. Yeah, um, but, uh... I mean, obviously, it's been reclaimed. Uh, people really like it. I read a, 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 a semi-recent Cam Austin Collins piece of, that came out when Detroit came out about Strange Days, where he talked about it, and he, and he, he was positive. He wasn't, like, over the moon with it, but he was positive, which I feel like is a lot of the re, is a lot of the response to this movie. It's like, I think there are obviously people who I think are over the moon with it, much like in a, like, Southland Tales-y way where you just sort of accept the parts that are like out there and weird about it and you just like take it all with an appreciation for how hard it's going in all those directions yeah. but I think all the the like the consensus on it now is probably settles around like it's good has a lot of great sequences and a, some weird stuff and it's maybe over stuff yeah and I mean, like, they obviously didn't know what to do. Like, it coming out, like, mid-October, I guess, is, like, the best time for a movie like this to come out. But, like, it's, like, I don't, like, I don't I mean, I don't it as a New York Film Festival centerpiece is... It's a little weird. It is. It, it seems a little too... It's, like, a... I don't know. This is... I guess they, yeah, th- that just signals, like... They had no idea what to do with it, so they were just like, maybe critics will like, maybe the art people will like this, because yeah. don't, we don't think an audience will. So, right. And like, it's like, Catherine, it's like, I don't think any, like, did, I don't think Point Break or Blue Steel or Near Dark or Loveless, well, Loveless might have done some festival stuff, but like, I don't, I don't know if those other movies were like, big fest like it's not like Catherine Bigelow was like a huge festival. No, player. I mean, Point and, like, Break, all her Point movies. Break famously came out. The week before, the same week as Terminator Two, it's like one of those. Yeah, sure. So, it, so um, that movie also didn't do well. I mean, her entire like early career was a lot of movies that. The, right. I think Near Dark was the one that it was like sort of a small movie that got some pop, so people were excited about. But none of those movies were like big, huge hits that yeah. did well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a good movie. I hope that it does get like a proper release again yeah, one like day, a is, like, or like a four K. Yeah, right. It I mean, that's like... the thing that happened with the Abyss is like Cameron was gonna put it on Blu Ray, but now four K is the thing. He's like, well, now we have to put it on that, and it's like right. everything just keeps pushing it. It's like just put the movie out, dude. Let people see it. Yeah. Uh, and by put the movie out, dude, we mean Avatar 2, and we will be so appreciative, King. All right. <laughs> I'm going to see Avatar 2. Like, it's not Yeah, like... everyone is. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to breathe oxygen in and out today. Um, but, yeah. Col- Thank I don't know if we've talked about it. Colin, do you think Avatar 4 was going to come out? Avatar 4? Um, so what is the current well it's two and three and four and five right are all like announced right and then two and three are like the ones he has made or is like in the process of finishing yeah and And they have four and five is like pre-production but but that's why yeah that's why i say four because i think that's like even if two bombs which i listen i don't want to put that on colin i don't want to worry him it's like I feel like there's, I'm, there, I'm gonna get there, there's enough momentum on three that I think they'll just put it out, even if they have to just like put it out on di- sure, like Hulu yeah. or Disney Plus or whatever. 
<laughs> How dare you? <laughs> oh my god, a James Cameron movie straight to Disney Plus. That would be I insane. Would, that'd be so depressing. Avatar, but I feel like um, by four is when they would be like, yeah, we're pulling the plug on this. You can't. We're not going to put this out. Um. But he's also how? like, I only am interested in making Avatar movies for the rest of my career. I will never make a movie that is not an Avatar movie ever again. But I guess yeah. he's also old. So but like, if I, but old, if Avatar is... two and three lose like a billion dollars, then I'm sure Disney would just be like, Yeah, okay, you're not gonna make more movies. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, how much money does this like theme park pull in? The theme park, I guess, is the angle of just like, yeah, I guess the Avatar part of Animal Kingdom. They're invested in Avatar being a thing that people think about regularly. Okay. I mean, they're right. <laughs> Does he own Avatar? James Cameron? He must. He must. I'm sure he has crazy control over it. Yeah. God, what if they just like. <laughs> my Sean guess, Levy my makes Avatar, <laughs> like reboots Avatar. <laughs> My guess truly is if, for whatever reason, two and three don't perform as well as Disney hopes, and they, like, completely cut ties, he just self-finances his way to a grave and, like, works hard on Avatar and it, uh, Avatar 4, and it doesn't come out if that happens. What I think will happen truly is Avatar 2 will come out, and literally every single person will see it. Uh, it'll be great. It'll win Best Picture. <laughs> Avatar 3 will come out. It'll be the same thing that happened with Lord of the Rings. And then Avatar 4 and 5 will... I I don't think there's a way that unless technology catches up with him uh, beyond like whatever belief system there is, <laughs> that uh, I don't know if he gets them made just based on how long the gestation period was on two and three. Sure. Yeah. I, I think it's unclear how far into four and five he is. Like he might have like shot like half of them or something like, and sure. Yeah. I mean, I also don't know, know that don't know. is yeah. the, what is the release? They're doing one a year, right? Is what they, I think it's every other, every other. Okay. So yeah, I mean, look, we'll see recently. Zoe Saldana uh, said that she had seen right. she 20, 20 minutes of Avatar minutes 2 and, it made, cry, and right? it made her cry, and I get so excited. Sure. Um, but it's like, you're going to trust Zoe Saldana's word on it? <laughs> sure. Um, What's Catherine Bigelow going to do? I guess I tried to Google what her next project is, and I guess she just EP'd a documentary about 2020. And I'm just like that. Right. That's she's like, got, she's that's doing like, like docs. She's like that's like doing commercials. I think she got like a DGA award nomination for a commercial she made this that's year. Like, like such the opposite direction. I need her to go in. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe she'll maybe not, I, she might not ever make like another narrative feature again. I wouldn't be that surprised if she didn't. That'd that would be. Yeah. It's always such one of these a things shame. that I, th I get like weirdly in my head about where I'm like, come on, they haven't put out a movie in so long, like. Terrence Malick we keep every time we do a new year preview and we're like written on uh, you know whatever on the wind is gonna come out like um and uh you know whenever we talk about that it's like Jesus he hasn't put out a movie since 2019 the like hidden life it's been so long but then it's like if you just think about it it's like the gap between days of heaven and you know thin red, uh, line. thin red line is like 20 years or whatever and it's like right. yeah i guess so whatever he, he does is bringing the average down like yeah yeah it's like he made eight movies <laughs> in the 2000s and 2010s like or not that many he made like five but it's like 
the 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 gaps are getting smaller and it's just because I'm like living them that I think about them so often where I'm, I'm like come on it's been like two years and this person hasn't made another movie give me another one it's like yeah most people if you like go through a filmography of some old director it's like they waited like eight years in between each movie unless they're like Clint Eastwood or you know Woody Allen or something yeah and it's like she made Detroit in 2017, so it's like, yeah, it's what you're saying. So it's, that's not that's not that long ago, but it it, it is. It's it, like five years at this point. Yeah, it is five years. I, it is more of a thing where it's like, you're not hearing anything is more of the problem. Where it's just like, even yeah. if she she just announced her project and took a long time to make it, or just like seemed like she gave any indication that she was interested in making another movie. I guess is what. I was yeah. That could be the other thing, is that she just, like, no one liked Detroit, so fuck all y'all. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, the worrying. It's just, like, her producing a documentary now about 2020 where it's just, like, God, it's just, like, the full, like, what Colin said, the Mark Bolification, where it's just, like, everything feels like it needs to be, like, important and timely. It, it, it is just, yeah. like... And I think that is why Strange Days is interesting, because I think it proves that she can make a movie that talks about that stuff that is also, like, an interesting, entertaining piece of genre fiction, and I don't know why she has yeah. fully gone into the mode of extremely hyper-real. I mean, I understand I mean, I suppo- it, but it's, like... I haven't seen, like, K-19, but I guess that is a similar thing of yeah. just, like, events as they happen. Sure. I mean, yeah. I like K-19 more than most people, but it's not a very good movie. <laughs> Sure. Um, another. This is like another director that I was just like popped into my head of like, when are they going to make another movie that ties into recent can news? If we can quickly say, uh, the new George Miller is going to be at Can. It was yes. another leak. Three thousand years. Uh, it's three thousand years of longing. Is that what it's called? That's right. I mean, great title, great premise. Tilda Swinton in a room with Idris Elba, who is a genie, and they're just <laughs> going through time. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's, it sounds really, really cool, yeah. It's, it sounds incredibly fascinating. Uh, but he's yes. another guy where it's like, I guess Happy Feets, those were, you know, what is it, like 2005 and 2008 or something like that? Or 2007 and 2012? Um, but, and that's like the gap is like, he made the t- uh, three Mad Max movies, Lorenzo's Oil, and then like... Eastwick and... Eastwick and, yeah, he has like that run, you know before the turn of the century and then it's like just the happy feet movies and then mad max in 2015 and it's like when are we gonna get something else it's been seven years and it's like he's got a lot of stuff in development i guess that he's working yeah maybe maybe he'll make them back to back that'd be sick um i mean they're they're like ramping up like they're doing cast like they have a cast for the furiosa movie and stuff that he's gonna do right next so like i feel like they're just gonna go on that Um, um but yeah, that's I don't know. Uh, it was a similar leak to Elvis uh, playing Can, where I, I, we don't know whether or not it'll be in competition or out of competition or not. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the uh, three movies we have an indication might play Can are Top Gun, Maverick, Elvis, at and <laughs> three thousand years of long. Yeah. Take your guess as to one, two, three, or zero are playing in competition. I would. Like, I mean, the Mil- Baz and Miller are not unlikely. No, they Baz probably. Would be, Weird yeah. because it's a streamer, right? No, no, it's that's not. like it's a universal movie. TV, I it's think not. it's yeah, it's getting a proper proper theatrical release, and then 
the thing that you always think about is like what would have happened if Fury Road was in competition <laughs> and it's like maybe they'll give him a chance this time. Right. Um Top Gun I don't think will no. be in competition at all. It's obviously gonna be yeah. like a beachfront premiere or whatever. Yeah. Um But yeah, exciting news. Absolutely. Can news it's the season where we get a bunch of can news. Um, well, I, I mean, you know, we're getting more leaks than usual. Usually there's not this many leaks. It seems, but, but it seems like it's going to be next. The press conference soon, right? Yeah, the press conference, I think, is soon. When is the press conference? Can press. It's either late March or early April. Um, sure. I don't know if we'll be providing live Twitter coverage of the press we conference this year. I don't know if that'll happen yet. I mean, I might I might uh, just hop on a live stream and talk about it. Sure. Sure. Uh, Twitter space type Twitter B. space type um, B, that is true. Yeah, I mean, they should be saying but, who the jury president is. Yeah, right. We'll be that's that the big news we're waiting on. Maybe even um, by the time this episode comes out, we'll know that. Who knows? Um, but yeah, with that, should we move on to special presentations? Yes, let's. All right, I've I have something I'll talk about. Okay, I'll go first. Mm-hmm. Andy, I think you've talked about this movie before. Um, and this is sort of like a public shaming. I'm taking an L. I'm eating my words. Cyrano is just good as hell. <laughs> yes, that's I, right. It has its moments where I'm like, this is bad. And I am mm-hmm. right to think it was bad. But then it also has its moments where I'm like, this is incredible. <laughs> um, a lot of the songs don't work, but all of the music does, which doesn't make any sense. There is one song that is incredible. Uh, it's the first time I've ever liked the national <laughs> and, uh, Dinklage is like, he's I, so locked in. It's crazy. I have no idea how you give that performance. Um, the rhythm of everything, uh, Kelvin Harrison jr. That's the other actor's name. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Also very good. Waves himself. Uh, Haley Bennett. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Haley Bennett's okay. I think she's not my favorite in the movie. Sure. But like the I mean, way that's that they, like, like an impossible character, I feel like. But. Sure, yeah. I mean, a lot of also my problems with it are like, this is the first time I've ever seen the full Cyrano de Bergerac story <laughs> to where I'm like, this is just nothing. Like, who cares? <laughs> and um, But then I'm like, they go to war? What the hell's happening? Right. Does that happen in Roxanne? <laughs> um, but Been a while since I've seen Roxanne. <laughs> yeah, what if he, like, goes to fight, like, in Desert Storm or whatever Yeah, um, with his huge nose? Um, mm-hmm. But also, um, there was just, like, a lot of Joe Wright craft put in that you feel. Yeah, he really um, went all the way on this one. Like, it's, yeah, it's just all him. And as he's sort of, like, we're talking about De Palma, I guess, with Domino, he sort of washes his hands publicly of woman in the window. Cyrano doesn't quite reach those heights, but it is very solid. Uh, the guy, I want, I don't know his name. I think his first name is Basher. He used to work on Jimmy Fallon. He is Cyrano's friend. Um, I think he's very good. Um, oh, a yeah. Lot of, like, you uh, co- yes, I looked him up too. I forget his, I'm looking up his name up now. Uh, um, yeah. A lot of yeah. like your Bashir Salahuddin who plays yes, yes, Brett. Yes. Very, very good. And they have, like, great chemistry together. Yeah. Um, but then, like... Mendelssohn? The, uh, the I'll do anything for someone like you or whatever. Right. That scene, 
I was like cackling because uh, that is just a not great song in its chorus, I think. No. But then, like, as it's happening, I'm like, this is so good. <laughs> like, right. the way that it it's, plays Yeah, out. it's so weird because, like, I think the lyrics are all really boring. Yes. And yes. not, like, and, like, and all the, like, the phrases, the phrasing is just everything just goes on too long. Like, yes, they don't, yeah. Like, they don't know how to craft, like, a, a good musical sentence <laughs> at sure. all. But, like, everyone's so committed and like just like and 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 i think like i spoke about this i think when i spoke about it like they're like dinklage especially is just like the right level of singer quality where he's like he's like not a wonderful like i need to like listen to his album singer but (laughs) he sings with so much sincerity and like you hear the performance so much in his vocal performance that like it's just incredibly moving i think and like yeah there's like a lot of songs lend themselves well to that yeah, and, like, it's funny that you say the lyrics aren't good because, like, the lyrical quality of how everyone just talks normally in the movie, mm-hmm. I think, is one of its strengths. That's true, yes. The, the um, dialogue is very good, I think. And, yes. like, the way that it, it almost, like, all feels, like, musical uh, yeah. because everything is sort of, like, clippy and, like, rhyming, but also, like, it's very – it's just a very odd energy that it somehow, like, pulls – like romance and like very you know head open or head empty like emotion i think it's a very just like base pleasing movie and emilio famously famously says he'll never see it (laughs) but uh, i mean it's not like when i think a lot of times i'll say i'll never see something and it seems like i'm condemning it and it's more just like i don't see myself ever having the interest enough to check it out maybe someday maybe someday i'll go full yeah we'll do a serial i'll, I'll go full right mode and i'll decide to finish out some of his movies but uh don't think i'm gonna watch it for now i did not know that he that joe wright was dating in a relationship yeah with him in it? oh yeah yeah that's funny. Very funny. That's funny. Because he's involved with the production of uh, Girl on the Train, right? He might be a producer on it, yeah. I feel like that's true, but I also could be wrong. Um, does anyone else have anything for special presentations? Um, Andy? <laughs> I I am continuing on with like my Oscars catch-up, as, as, as you may well be aware. The uh, ceremony, as as we release this, is two days away. Um, uh, very exciting. Uh, the stars will be out. Uh, I uh, <laughs> among the categories that I had the biggest blind spots in uh, is usually one is usually one of them is the documentaries. Uh, and so I watched uh, I've watched a couple of them. I still th- I think got one more or two more. But I did watch one that I really really liked called Ascension uh, by Jessica Kingdon is the director. Her name and it's like a it's a real like Wiseman fly on the wall style, like not obtrusive. Just look at um, work, the working world in China, and like also, uh, and it steps back a little bit to some of the like the like leisure and stuff as well uh, in in like current main day China. And I think it's like really well done and really interesting. It's only ninety seven minutes. Uh, I really uh, thought it was like really pleasant. Uh, it like just has pleasant like sounds and rhythms and stuff, uh, and it's 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 a really interesting look at uh you know at what's ha- what what life is like in China. I think um it's streaming on Paramount Plus, 
so uh, if you have that or want to do a free trial, I, I, I recommend it if you're looking to do Oscar Ketchup Ascension. Yeah. yeah. Um, for my special preservation, first I would like to quickly shout out Defending Your Life, which is mm-hmm. a great movie. Love Albert Brooks now, I think. I watched it. He's the boy. Enjoyed every second of it. Thought it was very funny and very sweet and very nice. And I like a movie about a nice relationship. Uh, but my actual special presentations plug. So a couple of months ago, Cullen showed me a segment from a thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's funny. But I never just checked out the whole thing because I just couldn't at the time. But since then, Hollywood Handbook has made... An episode of Carl Calls His Cousin free to listen to called I Need That Green Light in which comedian Carl Tart calls his cousin and along with their producer Kevin they just they talk about just random bullshit and it's very funny and then they start talking about Bruno Mars and have a very funny conversation about Bruno Mars that ends with them writing a Bruno Mars song and I listened to it yesterday at work and I truly could not stop myself from laughing (laughs) <laughs> while people worked around me. It was just so good. So yeah, call call this cousin number 94. I need that green light. But that was just made free on the Hollywood Handbook feed. <laughs> That's a great one. I bet, yeah. Well, you'll hear that song at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Cutting off I mean, all, yeah. The, all the Cyrano songs, Cullen, come on. <laughs> Listen, the one that is good is too long to play at the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, with that, uh, I guess we're getting near the end of a month, so we'll do another coffee drawing soon. I don't know uh, if we're doing a monthly. I don't think we ever okay. established that. Um, <laughs> then I'll so, yeah. cut this out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll see. I think this went pretty well. I think it was like sure. fun to like be assigned a movie and talk about it. So we'll de- we'll we'll it, it's definitely something that that I think is working so far. So we'll we'll offline talk about how how yeah. often to do it and all that sort of thing. So, but yeah, thanks for everyone who contributes to the coffee. Uh, yeah. So speaking of, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter at Can I Kick It. We're on Instagram and Letterbox at C I K I Pod. You can email us at Can I Kick It Pod at Gmail dot com. I think more people should take advantage of the emails. I'm gonna start looking and I'm gonna start looking for things to read so get in there if you want to get in Cullen there. will read your email yeah <laughs> exciting um, offer <laughs> and if you want to donate money to us you can do so through coffee.com slash can i ko dash fi dot com slash c-a-n-n-e-s-i uh set up a recurring donation you can be drawn and maybe something else will come up with to entice you <laughs> maybe and uh yeah if you want to follow me on anything i'm clatchley at c-l-a-t-c-h-l-e-y on twitter and letterboxd i'm at andy t germ a-n-d-y-t-g-e-r-m and i'm i laugh i'm laugh alone on twitter i am laugh alone all together all right and our theme song is by Tree Related, who is on Spotify under the name Tree Related and SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Tree Related. With that, the episode is over and we are releasing our audience. Bye. Bye. Stop at the stop sign. 
You gotta stop playing with my heart. I was forced to stop at the stop sign because my 72 Chevy won't start. I got satin pants, Versace shirt, Dayton, Ohio slides. Girl on my left, girl on my right, and we're all watching Father of the Bride. Aw, <laughs> sucky sucky now. I got a parking ticket because my car won't start. Ah, damn. Benicio, get the truck. Pick us up. <laughs> <laughs>